praise in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. The following is a sermon recently preached at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this message. Well, today we have the great joy of ordaining a new elder for Christ Church of Livingston County, uh, Dirk DeWinkle. And this has come as a result of a lot of prayer and discussion and the Lord working all things together for good. And now we have the delight of having the DeWinkle family here, so welcome. Today we look at the text in 1 Peter 5 that I just read, the New Testament text. In the last half of this epistle, Peter is really covering two topics. The first topic that he's covering is humility towards others. He has discussed this in regard to government. So if you know 1 Peter at all, you, you understand that he talks about our submission and humility towards the government, submission to masters, wives submitting to husbands, husbands honoring the wife and humility, suffering, serving, being humble, humility towards others. And the other area that he addresses at the end of this epistle is the area of bold resistance to evil. One of the sub-areas of humility, though, and that's what we're going to focus on today, has to be that of elders over the flock of God. Elders, you see, are not elders because of their exceptional gifts. They're not elders because of their great looks, though Dirk is a very nice-looking man. <laughs> They're not elders because uh, they're better than everyone else. They're elders because that is what Christ has called them to and has ordained them for, for a specific work of service. That being the case, elders ought to approach the ministry in humility toward themselves. They ought to be humble, but they also ought to be bold regarding the gospel which is Christ's good news. They ought to be bold in their resistance to evil. Today, we're going to look at the elders' task that is set before them as they shepherd the flock of God. And so, Dirk, this is an exhortation to you, but lest you, the congregation, think that you're off the hook and you can tune out right now, there are also exhortations for the flock of God as well. So, Peter begins this passage... The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. So much of Peter's epistle has been discussing the coming of persecution and suffering. Peter is now encouraging the elders of the congregation to be aware that they must continue to serve Christ's flock of believers even though they as elders, in the limelight, if you will, might get the brunt of the attack of those persecutions. Yet they're being encouraged still, yet, to shepherd the flock of God. However, the flock needs to be fed. The flock continues to need to be fed and protected and grown to maturity, no matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't change. Their task doesn't change. Peter exhorts the elders of Christ's church to shepherd the flock of God. You think of examples like 
one of the examples I thought about bringing in, and I'll just mention it briefly, was some of the covenanters. Some of the covenanters, if you know, in the foundations of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland were persecuted. They were targeted because they wouldn't bow to the king as leader over the church. And so you see these pastors who are hidden by the people of Scotland, hidden by the people. They were on the run, yet they continued to minister. They continued to flee, but they continued to go about the countryside meeting, even though it meant their very lives if they got caught. And many of them did indeed lose their lives for preaching the gospel of Christ. That needs to be our attitude as well. Peter exhorts the elders of Christ's church to shepherd the flock of God. And indeed, that's what the covenanting pastors did. And again, this is what Peter himself had done through most of his life as well. He too was an elder, but he was also an apostle. An elder of elders, if you will. A witness as well of the sufferings of Christ. Not only was he a witness, having seen the sufferings of Christ, but he had also experienced the sufferings of Christ. Even now, most likely writing from Rome while being imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. So Peter understands that the flock still needs to be fed. The flock still needs to be shepherded. Peter knows that suffering as well leads to glory. Such happened to Jesus, didn't it? Humility, suffering, led to his glory. And such is the hope that spurs Peter on as he looks forward to the full manifestation of the glory of Christ, of which believers will participate as well. And so when we are being persecuted, our suffering for the sake of the cross, remember the glory of what is coming. We need to always look forward to the glory that is coming. As Peter says in 4.14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. We don't think that way, do we? We don't think, persecution, I don't want it. Keep it away. That must mean the curse of God. No, Peter is saying it's the blessing of God. Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon us and we are blessed, even amidst our persecutions and sufferings. After Peter humbly says these things, as a fellow elder engaged in the same task as these elders, he now gets to the point and he says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Now remember, Peter is the apostle who denied Christ three times. It's always good to keep in mind when we look at Peter's writings. He is the apostle that denied Christ three times. And that is, I'm sure, weighs on his, on his mind often. That brings humility to Peter. And yet Jesus, in his immense grace and mercy, told him by the Sea of Galilee, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Shepherd my flock. Feed my sheep. That was what Peter was told by Christ himself. And now Peter, here towards the end of his life, soon to be gone from this world, passes on the same exhortation to elders. He says, shepherd the flock of God. So Dirk, this is for you as well. Shepherd the flock of God here at Christ Church of Livingston County. Shepherd the flock. Now, to understand a little bit about this, this isn't just feeding it isn't just feeding the Word of God. There's more to it. It entails the entire care of the sheep. So what does that mean? 
It means you need to know your flock by name. From the youngest to the oldest, you need to know these people by name. And I know you've done that. I was impressed by your week out here back last fall where you knew so many of the people's names, maybe everybody, I don't know. But I know you knew a lot of them. That was good. That's a good thing. You need to know them by name. You need to know their state of health. You need to watch them and know their state of health, both physical and spiritual. You need to be an observer of the flock. That was what a wise shepherd does. A shepherd observes his flock. If one of the sheep is limping, the shepherd picks up on that and he cares for that sheep. He takes care of that sheep. He binds the wounds. If one is constantly wandering, what does the shepherd do? Well, he needs to give extra attention to that sheep that is wandering to bring them back into the fold, to bring them back into the flock. A shepherd binds up those wounds. He'll care for them personally. He, he uh, shears them. He does all of those things that sheep don't always like, <laughs> yet it's necessary for them and their health. However, one of the central tasks of the shepherd is feeding the sheep. It is feeding the sheep, leading them to green pastures like we read about in Psalm 23. For you as an elder, it will be feeding the flock through preaching of the word, thereby equipping them for the work of the ministry. The feeding of the flock is very important, so don't neglect that either. So elders are to serve as shepherds, but as under-shepherds. We're to serve as shepherds, but as under-shepherds. Sort of shepherds in training. The flock is not yours, Dirk. The flock is not yours. It is God's. It is Christ's. And they, elders, are under shepherds, under the great shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus. But a good under, good under shepherd to prove his worthiness, historically, would treat that flock as if it was his very own. And that needs to be your heart attitude. And the under-shepherds are to serve as overseers, that is, guardians. This is where humility is shown. Service. Service. Assisting in life. Feeding the flock. Caring for their needs. Washing their feet as need be. Leading them to green pastures. All of those things. Using the crook to fend off wolves. Bind up their wounds. All of those things. That's all encapsulated in shepherding the flock of God. That is the life of the service of the shepherd. And remember that for every time that a shepherd uses the crook to fend off enemies of the flock, he uses it with the sheep more often to keep them in the fold, to direct them, to guide them. Now we often have a misunderstanding of what a shepherd is like because we've seen all those sentimental paintings of this kind of effeminate guy standing out in a pasture looking off into the horizon <laughs> in this nice pastoral beautiful picturesque setting and the guy is often very effeminate looking I think J.L. Porter nails it better this is his observation of shepherds he was a man I believe back in the, the 17th century and this is what he wrote the shepherd the shepherds themselves had none of that peaceful and placid aspect which is generally associated with pastoral life and habits. They looked more like warriors marching to the battlefield. A long gun slung from one shoulder, a dagger and heavy pistols in the belt, a light battle axe or iron-headed club in the hand, 
Such were the equipments, and their fierce flashing eyes and scowling countenances showed but too plainly that they were prepared to use their weapons at any moment. That's a truer picture of what a shepherd ought to be. Caring for your sheep, but also ready and willing to fend off those who would harm them. And some sheep respond well and easily, Dirk. Others require a good crack on the head to get the point across. That's all part of shepherding the flock in wisdom and love. But the under-shepherd is to serve the over-shepherd, Jesus, by serving as guardian of the flock entrusted to him. To be like Jesus. To not be like the hireling that Jesus mentions in John's pen, 11 and 12, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. That's the hireling. Dirt. Don't be a hireling. Don't be a hireling. Peter then gives three contrasts in the text. He says, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So the first contrast is that shepherd and elders, shepherds and elders are to serve the flock willingly. They're to serve the flock willingly, not having to be compelled to do the work. They are not to be lazy about their work. Like Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 9-7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's speaking more than just finances. Elders are to give themselves willingly, joyfully, not grudgingly. But the flock here, now this is where we're going to start talking about the flock as well, the flock has a response here as well. For this text also speaks indirectly to the sheep. So, congregation, listen to this. Obey and submit willingly to the elders. Make their task easy for them. Make it a joy for them to serve you. Obey and submit willingly to the elders. Make their task easy for them. Make it a joy for them to, to serve you. And remember, these under-shepherds, you see, are serving the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, the over-shepherd. And when you submit and obey and make life easy on the under-shepherds, you are doing so to Christ as well. A good text to go to to remind yourselves of that is the sermon that I preached out of Hebrews 13, 17 um, back a while ago, last fall. And remember, these under-shepherds are Christ. And when you serve them, keep that in your mind, when you serve them, your elders here, you're serving Christ. Second, elders and shepherds are not to be greedy, but to serve eagerly, even when finances are low or non-existent. You know, think about the covenanters and those pastors. They were wandering, they were running from being persecuted and arrested and all of that. Were they worried about their finances? They were worried about feeding the flock of God. They knew that God would provide for them. They were trusting in Him. They were believing that. That is a good thing. So, we are not to be greedy. They're not to be seeking, elders are not to be seeking to gain wealth off the backs of the saints. Again, this leads to a response of the people of the congregation, the flock of God. Shepherds do make their living from the flock 
don't they? Think of a shepherd. How does he make his living? He makes his living from the flock, doesn't he, as he's caring for them. And shepherds are worthy of their wages. Jesus said such in Luke 10.7, that you're worthy of your wages. Paul said as well in 1 Corinthians 9.14, Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And again, in 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders who rule... What, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So you, the flock, the congregation here, is to see to the financial needs of your elders, to provide for them, to care for them. But the elders' goal should not be to capitalize on this and become rich. That's being greedy for gain. Third, Peter tells elders and shepherds that they shouldn't lord over the flock. They shouldn't be focused on power, thereby not being pompous. You ought to not be pompous and think of yourselves as better than the flock. Not commanding them what you, the elders, not willing to do. You know, the whole idea of do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. Not acting like little dictators or popes over the flock. Instead, the elders are to be examples to the flock, the text says, to practice what you preach, to be, as Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, be an example to the believers in word and in conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Be an example to them. Give the flock the character to imitate. I mean, Paul said that as well. Imitate me, right? And we imitate Paul because he was imitating Christ, the over-shepherd. And what about the flock? Is there a response to this as well? It is, yes. Follow their example. Follow their example. As they are an example to you, follow their example, which example one ought to be one of humility. Edmund Clooney said, the, the, the despised shepherd guarding the flock in the fields, not a pompous churchman. That ought to be how the shepherd is, and you ought to be following that as well, flock. Such humility toward one another is what is to be emulated, as Peter will go on to speak in the next few verses. Peter says this all to the elders, to the shepherds, and focuses the attention on how the shepherds are to care for their flock. In essence, they are to love the sheep just as Peter was instructed by Christ. Elders are to follow Peter's example of service. And he knows that the love for Christ that shepherds have will kindle love for Christ's sheep, and in turn, the sheep will love the elder. But serving the sheep isn't always easy dirt. Sometimes sheep go out and they start banging their heads against fence posts, and they get all bloody and things like that. It happens. Sometimes they just continue to wander, and they get into all sorts of trouble. Sometimes the sheep... If you know anything about sheep, if you've ever dealt with sheep, sometimes they kick, sometimes they bite, sometimes they ram their heads into the shepherds. And you need to be prepared for that as a shepherd. But Peter wants them to know that all such hard work is rewarded by the chief shepherd. See verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The crown that is being talked about is the crown of amaranth, which is a flower that doesn't fade. 
symbolizing in the Greco-Roman culture an eternal reward. But the reward isn't just for the elders. You see, it is they are included in that. But the reward is for all Christians. Isaiah 28, 5 says, In that day the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people. It will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty for the remnant of his people. We're all included in that. As shepherds serve the flock, as they've been called, the reward of Christ will be their end. As will the reward of all faithful people who serve the Lord in love and joy and fear. And that is to be our joy. That Jesus has come and fulfilled all of this perfectly. He suffered the crown of thorns, you see, in humiliation. That we might wear our unfading crown of amaranth in glory. That is the glorious grace of Christ. Something that we, undeserved, have no claim upon except for the glory of Christ. All grace. And so we come to the table in a little bit where we see Christ, the true and chief shepherd of the sheep. And he gathers us here to himself, right here, every, every Lord's Day, to feed us and to fill us and to care for all of our needs. And we see that visibly right here at the table. We partake of that as well. He gave his life for the sheep. That's what we see here. He gave his life for the sheep that they might live unto him. So as we come to the table in just a bit, come and be filled with great joy. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon that was recently preached at Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this message, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.